Hello everyone, how are you? My name is Zach Scro. I'm with Neighborhood Church, and we are moving right along in our Living Fruit series where we are exploring all the different fruit of the spirits found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And today we're going to learn about peace. So if you're following along in a house church, please take out your Sunday morning sermon guide. And I would always encourage you to do your weekly devotionals as that will help enforce everything that you learn today. And if you're watching via Facebook or even our YouTube channel, we will post our reflection questions for today's message in the comment section on our Facebook page. And if you want to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please fill out one of our online connect cards found in the post uh, on Facebook or it's on our website at ourneighborhood.org. So getting into peace as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Oftentimes when we hear that word peace, we think of, of a time that's uh, absent of conflict and war and strife. Uh, maybe even on a personal level, we think uh, of a time during the day where we are at rest and we're not feeling those daily pressures haunting us. Or maybe even if we look at peace in terms of uh time back into our life. We look at, at a time in our life where we didn't have those daily pressures uh, forcing themselves onto us. Or if we're looking into the future, we're hoping for a time of peace into the future where we're just going to be a bit more restful. And so while all of those are uh, great representations of what peace is, when it comes to a biblical concept of peace, the definition is much broader and much more encompassing. In fact, Timothy George in the New American Commentary describes peace as this, referring to a condition of wholeness and well-being that includes both a right relationship with God and loving harmony with one's fellow human beings. And so true peace as a biblical concept and a fruit of the Spirit is both the absence of all that is wrong in the world and all of those things that I talked about a bit earlier, as well as the active and ongoing well-being of humanity, which includes relational rightness. Consequently, true peace requires the mending together of all that is broken and the healing of all that is fragmented. So when Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, he is saying that we need to being, be the bringers of this well-being, the bringers of this wholeness to all the areas of brokenness that exist in the world around us. However, much like joy from last week and probably all the fruit moving forward, peace is not something that just magically appears in our lives. It must be worked into us. And as it's worked into us, it can be worked out into the world around us and also in our relationships. And that's Paul's aim for all the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit or the character of Christ, which is the fruit of the Spirit, that it would be present in the world and in our relationships. But as all of you know, if that fruit isn't first appearing in our relationship with God, it certainly isn't going to just magically appear in our relationships with other people. Uh, and if it does, it might be false fruit. And so that brings us to our passage for today found in Colossians 
chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. And that particular selection of Scripture has something vitally important to say to us about peace. And really, if we look at what's going on underneath the text, the passage also directs us on how to start living it out. So rather than read the whole selection of 15 through 20 for you now, hoping you guys have done that already in your house churches, I'm going to call specific attention to verses 19 and 20 where Paul says the following, and I'll read it for you guys. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And here's what I want you to take away from this message. Two things. There is a big problem that prevents us from receiving this peace, but there is also a big solution. So let me explain. This passage passage shows us that there is something so tragically wrong with us and wrong with the world in which we live that it took God becoming a human being in Jesus Christ to fix it. That right there should tell you the enormity of the problem we have in receiving peace. Look, we could go all the way back through the biblical narrative and see how humanity has continued to fail time and time again. We could go back to the fall of Adam and Eve uh, and, and to understand that we've got more than a few struggles. But in reality, we just need to take a simple inventory of what's happened to each of us over the course of our lifetime. And if we do that, I think we would have a crystal clear understanding that we're just not right. We're just not right as human beings. There is something wrong in each and every one of us. There is some personal brokenness that needs to be healed, that, is, that, that, that plunges the depths of our souls. And if we panned out and took a more global view, we would see that the world needs fixing as well. I think the pandemic and the political climate are strong indications of that. So there's a big problem, but just as there is this big, huge problem, there is an even bigger solution that fixes all the brokenness that pervades humanity. And that solution is also found in our text. And it's concentrating on the aspect that Jesus is in the process of reconciling all things to himself. He is making all things that are wrong in this world right once again. And he started that back 2,000 years ago by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, by making wholeness and well-being available to all of us through his death on the cross. And you see, in order to fix a broken world, Jesus allowed the broken world to break him. Because it's in this brokenness of God on the cross that we would see just how far God is willing to go to fix us and to heal us and to mend us back together and to do all of those things in the world in which we live. Now, this peace that Paul speaks of in both Colossians, which we just read, as well as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, it's available to every single one of us. But here's the deal. There's a catch. There's always a catch, right? Not really a catch. It just requires something of you. It requires something of us that is perhaps the hardest something that we will ever give. And it's this. 
In order to receive the peace Jesus has made available to us through his blood that was shed on the cross, we have to be broken. We have to be broken enough to need what Jesus is offering to us. We have to be broken enough to need what Jesus is providing for us. And the sad state of affairs for most of humanity is that we really just don't think we need it. We really don't think we need anything, as a matter of fact. We just aren't broken enough. Or, as one of my old pastors used to say, we, aren't, we just aren't dead enough. And so, if you're hearing this today, and you're wondering why you don't have peace in your life, or peace in your relationships, it's probably because you don't actually believe you need it. And you probably really actually don't desire it. But here's the thing. If you can bring yourself to fix your gaze on the breaking of God on the cross, truly seeing Jesus broken for us, broken for you, just maybe, just maybe, your pride and your arrogance that is preventing you from receiving this peace can be cracked and can be broken open. And you'll begin to see your own brokenness and your own unhealth and your desperate need for this peace that Jesus offers. You see, God had to break for this world because we are so broken. And the only way our pride and arrogance could be crushed was for us to see the most powerful and the most beautiful being that has ever existed crushed for us. And as we begin to fix our gaze on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we can begin to receive that peace in our lives. And it's a shame Literally a shame that it takes the breaking of God to break us of our pride and arrogance so that we can receive this peace in our lives. But God will stop at nothing to provide for us what we need. And what we need is a God who is willing to die for us to reveal the depth of our need within and then at the same time have the power to meet those needs through his resurrection from death and to see him meet that need in our lives to meet that need within us, which his resurrection proves he can do so, which his resurrection proves he can give us that peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. So as we conclude, as you break into your house churches to discuss this further, try to be as vulnerable as uh, you'll allow yourself to be in answering these two questions. What are the barriers to the peace, to, to receiving peace in your life? and peace with others, having peace with others. Those are, those are two questions on your Sunday sermon guide that I want you to pay specific attention to. Because if you can answer those honestly, um, and you're struggling with this particular aspect, uh, this particular fruit of the Spirit in your lives, those answers that you provide to those questions will be a great starting point for you to receive that peace in your life. So as always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, and may you go in the grace and peace and mercy of Jesus Christ. See you later.